Jazz Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bryant. All right, here we go. Here we go. We'll get it started right here. This was Chris's Chris's question to get us started, so maybe you have like a premeditated answer. I don't know, but we'll find out. What is more likely, Bigfoot or aliens? Well, yeah, I mean, I already have the answer to this. Obviously, it's, it's I know where you're. <laughs> I know, I know where you're going. <laughs> well, let me, let me. The so the backstory is. Well, I don't know that I need to go into all of that. I'm an aliens guy, 100%. Whether you know, however deep you want to go into it, I'm I'm fairly certain aliens exist. And when it comes to aliens or Bigfoot, I mean, I gotta believe. Like even though. There's a lot of wilderness out there, like the Pacific Northwest. There, you know, things can hide. I gotta believe at some point one would have slipped up here, maybe gotten hit by a <laughs> hit by a truck or something. Like one somebody slipped up. Yeah, one would have, you know, one would have got caught slipping trying to like get some get some food, steal some food from a campsite or something. So, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the universe is such a big place, and uh, you know. I believe I believe aliens are out there. That's what it comes down to for me. The universe is seriously like so expansive that we really can't even comprehend it. And you're right. Like if you've ever traveled, like my wife and I did a vacation a couple summers ago to Colorado, and I remember literally peeking. That's so funny that you brought this question up out of nowhere, and I didn't know we were going to go this route. But immediately I had this thought of go, flashing back to that vacation we were on, and then we were standing up on some mountain that we were kind of hiking, climbing, and I looked out, and there was just. Like, like you said, wilderness, just mountains yeah. and forests and e- just everywhere. I'm like, th- there's got to be something out there that we don't know about, like a Bigfoot or like a whatever the hell you want to call it or some creature that we've never seen before. But then you compare that to, like, the possibilities of what the universe is, and it's not even it's not even a speck. So I, yeah. I agree, man. I, I, uh, I've never really had, like, a weird experience myself when it comes to aliens, but my dad, who was, like, super old school and just not, not really, like, a – a big time like believer in far-fetched stuff he's just pretty grounded he swears on his life that he saw an alien vessel when he was like in his early 20s late at night coming back from a work trip so same with my wife same with my wife when i've never experienced anything like that but my wife and she's not even really one that's like she's not really into that kind of thing like she's not a sci-fi person she doesn't like some of the stuff i watch on history channel like ancient (laughs) aliens if anybody out there watching this right now is an ancient alien fan shout out to you because it's a phenomenal show i'm not going to get off you know onto a tangent about it but she claims when she was younger she saw something in the sky and you know it definitely wasn't an airplane what you know something spinning or glowing or whatever Mm -hmm. it was and she's quite certain it was an it was a it was a ship so yeah so i i mean i think i'd be surprised if many people said the other said uh bigfoot was more likely i i'm willing to get on board with both of both of them being maybe possible but if if it's one or the other it's aliens you know what's great though like there's there's several uh hunting bigfoot shows that are out there (laughs) and i watch a lot of those and like before like right right when you're going Uh, into it you already know how it's going to end like they don't find it i say that 
so my wife is real big on like the paranormal activity shows and like they're pretty cool to watch you know you catch some stuff on camera yeah and the, the hunting bigfoot one is another like finding Loch Ness you know I'm like <laughs> gee I wonder how this ends it's like what the hell like yeah the, is it I think this, they're like multiple seasons of the finding bigfoot thing Dude, so I'm, I, like, I think... I'm like who watches this yeah. you know the ending it's me I'm the guy I'm the guy that watches it I can't help myself I know how it ends but still I'm I'm interested so that is fantastic. All right, let's get into some Michigan stuff, man. You and I spent all day at Ferris State University, your old stomping grounds, up in Big Rapids for the Michigan football showcase. Michigan's entire staff was there except for Matt Weiss. I think he was the only coach that wasn't there. And if he was there, I just didn't see him. I mean, maybe he was, but he was at a camp earlier in the week. Maybe maybe he had something to take care of back in Ann Arbor or whatever the case was. But Jim Harbaugh and nine of his assistants were in uh, in Big Rapids at the camp and got to see uh, a trio of commits, got to see a bunch of big-time targets, got to see a bunch of other coaches, a, a ton of high school coaches. I mean, like, I've been to a lot of these before, so I, I know that this is how they go, and there's a lot going on, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people. It was your first time, and, I mean, almost off the bat, you were like, Dude, this is this is pretty cool, man. Like, this is a yeah. cool thing. Just give a like a quick rundown of like what what you kind of took in as we got there and as the day progressed. Well, it was quite a bit different from what we experienced at Eastern. Yeah. Right. Eastern was, you know, I, I don't know what day it was that we went up to or went over, down to Eastern. I guess from where I'm from, um, but that was a little bit slower. You couldn't get on the field. There weren't too many people there. And then you go up to Ferris, and you know, there's hundreds of kids. There's some big name recruits that are there, and of course, you've got you know the entire Michigan football coaching staff like you said minus Weiss at least we didn't see him mm-hmm. um, but all these guys are kind of walking around and you know Harbaugh's walking around and rubbing elbows with everybody and it was just I don't know man it was a cool experience and it was um, you can see why it's such a big deal for the coaches to be out there and to get that type of exposure especially when you know they're doing the whole meet and greet experience yeah. you could tell that um, that that stuff was um really good for recruiting. So it was cool to be a part of it. Um, and it was cool to see some of the new coaching staff in person for the first time as well. And I think, I don't know, we, we talked about this a little bit, but man, clink scale is just a, he is one of those, like, he's just a cool guy. Like you yeah. can tell when he walks into the area, he's just, there's a vibe, there's like a energy with him. I don't know what it is, but it's that, it's that thing you can't quite put your finger on, but he's got it. And I think we're, uh, we're very fortunate to have him in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I, I put up a story today, part one, uh, observations and recap. I was going to do the whole thing, and it just ended up being pretty long. And I'm like, I'm going to break this up into two parts because there were a lot of the next. So I did the coaches and the commits. There were only three commits there, Will Johnson, Devontae Miles, and Tayshawn Trent, and nine coaches and then Harbaugh. So it was a pretty long write-up, and I was starting to get into the recruits a little bit. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to break this up. So the recruit, part, the recruit section will be tomorrow. The targets will be tomorrow. But – that, that's exactly what I wrote about Klinkscale. I'm like, he's he's the coolest dude in the room. He's just got yeah. this like slow, like deliberate walk, like you know, head nods, and like he's he's like that cool ass uncle at the barbecue, man. Like he yeah. just he you know he's just kind of walking through. And there wasn't one person that he went up to that didn't like laugh or smile or like bro hug him or you know yeah. high f- whatever. He just had a vibe about him, and you could see it resonate with like you said with the with the recruits with Will Johnson with the other college coaches with the with the high school coaches it was just it was just very very noticeable that he has a presence that he is going to do phenomenal things on the recruiting trail and 
He's been in Detroit. That's like been that was you know that hits. Even though he was at Kentucky, that like Detroit's his stomping grounds, and you could see it. Every coach there yeah. knew who he was. Every coach there wanted to talk to him, and every kid there was excited to have a Michigan coach extending a hand and chopping it up with them. Even the ones that, and, and that was a cool thing I saw from him. Tons of kids that are going to get zero interest from Michigan. He didn't care. Yeah. He was he was with everybody chopping it up. Just a a people person, and you could see that right away. Um, Mike Hart. Uh, who I think is going to be really, really good for Michigan too. Very different, very yeah. different approach. Business like man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was some smiling, there was some laughing, but he was he was straight face. He was focused. Every photo I feel like we took of him it was, was like just stone cold, and he was it was like business, you know. But I but and I I personally think that is so good for a running back room. I feel like yeah. you kind of have to have that mentality and you know from everything I've ever heard from anybody they they love the guy. It's not like a you know, he's not a jerk, even though he yeah. doesn't look like he's having a ton of fun. I think he just he's about his business. And I actually got the same sense from Mike McDonald as well. Another straight face guy, a lot of yeah. arms crossed, you know, taking notes, keeping an eye on things. Wasn't a lot of laughing and, you know, joking around with people. But he was there, you know, to 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 do a job, to be to be on the job and to get some work done. And I thought that was really cool to see. Um Trying to think who else. Ron Bellamy, another guy that's new to the staff, a guy I've dealt with a lot, so I know I know a little bit more about him. But he's just so well respected in the area. Yeah. Any anytime he's at an event in the state of Michigan, everybody's going to know who he is. Everybody respects the job that he's done, and he's going to be really good for recruiting in the state as well. Um, other new guy, I'm trying to think. Oh, George Hilo was there. I I didn't Hilo, really get yeah. it's it's. I felt like I was like. <clears throat> just rewriting the the story I wrote about when he got hired but I didn't really I didn't have like a major takeaway about him in either yeah. direction like we, he was we, kinda... we saw him a couple times and it was like he was very just an under the radar guy and he might be yeah. phenomenal at what he does but he didn't he didn't have that just that thing about him you know like mm-hmm. you could like like I could tell with clink scale like before I even before he even got in the vicinity when he was just off in the distance you could just I don't know man you could see mm-hmm. something different about that dude and you know, didn't really get that with Hilo. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, no. that's not everybody's going to be like, hey, 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 you know, up in your face right. type of guy. You don't, you're not going to have 10 coaches like that. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. But in my write-up, it, I was just kind of, you know, going back through the memories I had of, of Thursday's camp and thinking like, okay, what stood out about this guy? What was something specific I mentioned about him? What was something I realized? And I got to Hilo and I'm like, I don't really have anything in that. But I was like, you know, like you said, he might be really good at what he does in the meeting room and relaying messages to the players and teaching and all of that. So it, it's not a bad thing. And look, we were there, you know, I, it, we, it's not like we sat down and had a one-on-one with the guy. Right. We're, we're watching from a distance and we're observing what he's doing and we're kind of keeping an eye on him, but it wasn't, it wasn't the George Hilo show. I wasn't watching only him. So, you know, you're getting snapshots and bits and pieces of what the coaches are all about, but you're, I, I agree with you. It's very, very obvious and right away noticeable with clink scale. Not so much with Hilo. With Hart and McDonald, you noticed something, but it was different. Yeah. And, you know, it is what it is. That's why you've got guys from different backgrounds, different ages, different um, different experiences and all that stuff. So it, it, it's what makes up a complete staff. Can I can I say this, though? Like, you, you would ask me kind of what my thought was about the, the whole deal and, and being at that camp. Watching these guys, I really, really like this coaching staff, man. And, and you know, you hear a lot about a different type of energy and how things feel different. <clears throat> and I'm not going to get too high on them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my prediction of, of nine wins, I feel more confident in that prediction 
after just watching the coaches out there. Even Harbaugh, he's dropped some weight. The guys seem more jovial. You know, he's still doing the who's got it better than us routine, which I was gonna, you know, that was coming. We'll, we'll we'll get to that, but I mean, overall, I just like the makeup of this coaching staff more than I did in 2020. I, I don't disagree. I'm going to put a comment up because I I, I, I can sense it a little bit even <laughs> even in my own speaking. It sounds like we had some Kool Aid this week. I don't think so. I, I you know I was really high on on Clink Scale when he was hired. I thought it was a, a knocked it out of the park. Same thing with Mike Hart. Uh, same thing with Ron Bellamy. Other than not having experience, I think he's a, a great personality, great kind of dude for being a college coach. He just hasn't done it before. And the same things I just said about George Hilo is what I said when he was hired and when I did a write-up on him. And the same things about Mike McDonald. Everything we heard was that he was a hard worker, really smart guy, but he's never done it before. I'm not. Yeah. Just because it looked like he was focused and doing a good job at a camp, I'm not really ready to say he's going to have a top 10 defense. I mean, like, right. so I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek by saying, no, I don't care about any of the stuff I saw. But you, you do get a, a better sense of what these coaches are about when you see them in person. You see a little bit of their personality. You understand what their interactions are like. I'll, and, I'll, I you know, feel it like just I, a good experience. I feel like I took a shot of the Kool-Aid. I'll, I'll go that far. I mean, you know, watching the way Hart and Klinkscale and Bellamy interact with the recruits and these young kids, it just seems like there is a vibe there that may not have been there a year ago. You know, they just seem it, they're far more relatable guys. They know how to relate to the kids that they're trying to uh, that they're trying to get into Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that maybe I took a <laughs> sip of the Kool Aid this weekend. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would go that far, and the reason why I say that is because I don't think what I saw changed my mind on anything. Sure. I, I mean, it was it, I'm still kind of thinking the same thing I thought initially. It was just a little bit more. It was it was more. My, it was firsthand instead of what I had heard about. I had heard all these great things about Klingscale, and guess what? I saw it. I had heard yeah. pretty good things about Mike Hart and that he was no nonsense and that he was a hard ass, and I, I saw it. Um, Hilo, I didn't know a lot about him. I still feel like I really don't. I mean, like, yeah. nothing really changed that much, but I, I you know, we've got some real stuff to talk about now, some firsthand observations, things yeah. that we took in on our own. So, yeah, I think we're going to be a little bit more informed and sound like we're talking about it with more energy because we can commit to it a little bit more. I will say this, too. Uh, guys who had already been on staff, and I've said this from the beginning, uh, I think – I don't know what it is, but Sean Nua, I, I love watching the dude coach. I don't know yeah. why he hasn't had the greatest you know success on the recruiting trail, and I, I don't know why – his defensive line unit last year wasn't very successful. I mean, part of that's Don Brown's scheme, I think, and what he had his four-down linemen do. But, man, dude, like, I love watching the guy coach. He's, first of all, he's yeah. huge. He's a mountain of a dude. I mean, so he's out there. He played in the NFL. You know, he's got a really good background. But he's just – he's always yelling. He's all not yelling. Always – well, yelling, but in a energy. good way. Energy, yeah, yeah. High energy, lots of encouragement, lots of coaching, technique stuff, and encouragement, and this and that, and being, being funny. You know, he, he yelled at, like, one kid – He's like, you got to be better than that. You got a different color shirt on, man. You got to be yeah. special. You know, like, like little <laughs> right, stupid yeah. thing like that. He was he was talking to Dion Walker a ton, the big time cast tech prospect that Michigan has been really active in recruiting over the last couple months. And I don't know, man. I you know with Michigan, Jim Harbaugh essentially replaced his entire defensive staff except for Nua, and I I I get why when I watch him. Yeah. I just don't know why it hasn't really turned into much you know, more success on the recruiting trail and on the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how that group looks this year with a new, uh, new scheme and a new, a new guy calling plays and Mike McDonald. But I just, 
I've seen him around at a lot of different stuff before, and every time I have, I, I like what I see. It's strange yeah. that it hasn't really added up necessarily on the field. And then, obviously, the headman. Jim Harbaugh's there. He shows up. He's in great spirits. He was smiling a lot. Um, you, you said it. He looks like he's shedded a few pounds. Looked like he was having a really good time. I heard him mention multiple recruits by first name on site. You know, so he knows – you know, he knows the guys from West Bloomfield. He knows the guys from Cast Tech. He obviously knows, like, Dante Moore, you know, the top flight quarterback in 2023 from Detroit, Martin Luther King. He, 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 was, he was snapping those names off left and right as he was bumping into these guys. Then he gave his speech, which I think was bad. I mean, I, I think it was kind of embarrassing. He's doing the who's got it better than us thing. Had to say it three or four times because the kids didn't really respond and didn't have much energy with it. And if you want to answer the question like a lot of people do. So it's just kind of a weird trope that he's still holding on to. And I know it's a thing that goes way back to his childhood, but like you actually recorded it and did the write up. And I know you kind of felt like the same way, like overall Harbaugh looked like he was having a really good time, but that speech, man, I just, I don't know. It, it didn't yeah. do, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Well, I mean, I was in, you know, I was in the gym when he was given it and, you know, I, I've seen some reports that there, you know, that there was, you know, all eyes were on Harbaugh and there was super high energy. And I, you know, maybe I was not all that in tune. I just, I didn't get that sense. I didn't get that feeling, but I will say to his credit, when it comes to the, like, you know, the who's got it better than us stuff, he was also, he was talking about how good it was to just campus, yeah, yeah, campus kicking off. We're all here together. We've got today. And it's like, who's got it better than we do sort of thing. But given everything that's taken place during the first six years, it, it does come off as a little bit tone deaf given, you know, it's just, you're heading into another big pivotal year and we all know what the records are and, you know, everything with Ohio state. And so, you know, I think a lot of Michigan fans are turned off to the, that saying at this point. Um, but he's still a guy, man, that like, you could tell the recruits wanted to be around him. Now, granted, he was like the only big time coach that was there. You know, you didn't have like a Ryan Day walking around campus. And I don't, I didn't even think, did Mel Tucker stick around? I didn't see him. I, I saw him later on down by the main field. You did field. see him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't right. see him when we were in the gym in there when Harbaugh was in there, though. But, but I can tell you that there was no shortage of recruits trying to get within the vicinity of Jim Harbaugh to like get their name out there, shake his hand, say who they were. And he had his pen and paper with him. And I saw him writing down names and writing down information the whole time. And so, you know, I think everything that he did that day was great. If the records were different, if the results were different, people would look at everything. Like if he did everything the exact same way he did up at Ferris, but the results and the record were different, people would view it differently, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, if that makes sense. And so I didn't really take too much of an issue with it, but yeah, it's, you know, you know, the who's got it better than us stuff is just a little bit, it's a little bit tough for a Michigan fan to hear that right now. You're exactly right though. And I think that's important to point out is that whenever he says that he's not just talking about like Michigan football, he's like, especially in that setting, he, it was like a, it was like almost like a mantra for the day or for life almost. Like we're, we're getting back to normal a little bit. We can play football again. We still have football. We have our health, you know, the people that were there. I mean, he is, he is big on stuff like that. He always has been, he's not as active on Twitter anymore with, you know, with certain sayings and different things that he puts out there, but that's always been kind of a part of his deal. And so I think that is important to make. I personally, if I were him, given what you talked about, the the records and what's coming up this season, and everybody's always watching and everybody's yeah. always looking to to take a shot where one is there, like, just don't say that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, your speech could be really good without saying that. And like I said, 
most of the kids there didn't even know what they were supposed to do when he says that because they, right. they haven't been around him before. So he had to say it, you know, three or four or five times or whatever it was. And I, yeah. I don't know. I just think it kind of runs its course a little bit at that point. But overall, like I said, he seemed to have pretty good energy. He was happy. He was, you know, he was definitely plugged in with like Will Johnson and yep. um, other commits and the big time targets that Michigan yeah, is at. Yeah, the big time targets that Michigan is active with, like Deion Walker, he was all he was around them all day, and and that that you know that goes a long way, I think, with those kids when they're like, dang, that's still Jim Harbaugh, that's still the head coach at Michigan, and he's he knows my name and he's right here. Actually, it was really funny. I haven't put this write up up yet, but Tayshawn Trent, who's committed to Michigan and has been for a while, went to the Detroit Day recruiting visit on would have been Wednesday, right, the day before the camp. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, how did that go? What was it like? He's like, man, I walked in and. Jim Harbaugh just came up to me and like knew my name, and I'm like, "You're committed to them, like yeah, I would say, yeah. you know, I would hope you, but you forget like these guys haven't seen the coaches in person before in a lot of cases right. because there's been a a campus shutdown for 15 months, and there's still like 16, 17, 18 year old kids who's getting, you know, first name recognized by a guy like Jim Harbaugh. So the 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 buzz and the glow isn't there like it was when he was hired, but it's still there. It's still, it's still there, Michigan, yeah. and he still he still he still draws some people in. And like you said, it was pretty noticeable from you know all across the. I gym. was I was gonna say like even like that feeling you get with a guy like Klingscale, like Jim Harbaugh still has that. It's not what it was when he arrived in 2015, but when he walks into the area, everybody knows he's there. You know, yeah. he's just one of those guys where. He still got that something about him. Played at a high level in college. Played in the NFL. Coached in the NFL. You know, he he's done. He's had a lot of success in football, and that's not lost on anyone. Yep, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, after he got done with his speech, after Harbaugh got done with his speech up front and was talking to some recruits and doing some things like that, he was kind of cornered by you know cornered by the media a little bit. I don't know if it was. Yeah, something he wanted to avoid or if he was just kind of being nice for a second and decided that he would talk because sometimes he he opts not to speak to the media. But in this case, he was he was kind of cornered a little bit and he was obviously asked about the Bo Schembechler stuff. Uh, you know, we, everybody, including Jim Harbaugh, everybody knew that the, the first time there was a microphone in front of him, that was going to come up. And it yeah. did. And I don't know. I don't know if he answered it necessarily as good as he should have i'm trying to uh i'm trying to pull it up and play it here so we can so we can take a look at it i don't know if i'm going to be able to or not because it's through uh it's it's through twitter i don't know if i can i think i can get to it let me see but at at the end of the day he was asked about it he kind of spoke his mind on what he thought was the you know what he i'm trying to think of the right way to put it he said what he believes i think and what he feels of based on his interactions with Jim Harbaugh or with uh, Bo Schembechler from back in the day. And I, I just don't know if it was, if it was really handled the way that it should have been handled. So we'll, we'll kind of watch this real quick and see how that goes. We'll see if I can, uh, if I can get this to play and be able to hear it. Uh, 
Alright, so is that still playing? I'm trying to feel if it is. Okay, I think we're... Hopefully the audio came through. I think that's the first time we've done like an audio thing, so hopefully yeah. that came through for people listening. I guess we'll find that out, but um, if it didn't, basically Harbaugh just said, you know, Bo Schembechler never said anything. He wasn't a procrastinator. Um, you know, if he took care of it before the sun went down, some, you know, some, uh, some descriptive types of things about how Bo went about his business, basically. And I just think... I mean, it's fine if he believes that, and I know he looks up to Bo in a major, major way, and he was like a second dad to him probably based on, you know, the things he said about him in the past. I just feel like that probably wasn't the best thing to say. Uh, I, I, I just feel like it, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't make any mention of, like, the report or, you know, the victims or what. Yeah. I just feel like by leaving that out, you're kind of disregarding what the actual issue is, and that's... I mean, he could have been – it probably – media people wouldn't have liked it and everybody would have criticized it. But if he had just said, nah, I'd rather really not talk about that right now, that probably would have been better than what he did say, honestly. Yeah. Well, it was it was certainly a missed opportunity. And it's surprising given how much time, I guess, he's had to prepare for that question, knowing that that question was coming – to not even, you know, and, and he came at it from somebody who, you're right, you know, looks at Bo as like a father figure, from somebody who was a big part of his life. And obviously he wants to, you know, just it, 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 in his nature to come to the defense of Bo Schembechler, but to not even mention the flip side of it that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids went through this and it was something absolutely terrible to not even like acknowledge that or mention that in, in the first statement you were going to make. I feel like it was a, it was definitely a missed opportunity for Harbaugh, and I'm surprised he didn't go there, like I said, given how much time he's had to prepare for a question that he knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Knew was coming. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I mean, like, I don't know. It, it wasn't the, it wasn't handled the worst way possible. He didn't sure. he didn't come right out and deny it and say. Like, and he was very but, careful. It was that's the guy I know. You know, yeah. he kept saying that's the man I know, leaving the door open for like, yeah, sure, there's shit I don't know, but the guy I know. Like, I yeah. think a lot of people that are connected to people who have done some not so great things, and you would never expect that. Be like, I don't, I would have never guessed that person it's, could do that. You know, it's it's every instance in the history yeah. of time, just about when somebody does something on. Expected or tragic or right. you know un- unfortunate, someone you, they'll they'll interview somebody and they'll say, "I never saw it coming." I mean, yeah. that was I, I sat by that kid every day, or I the, you know whatever the whatever the whatever the situation is, whether it's like you know again horrible things that happen, a, a shooting or a yeah. or a or a, a, a murder or whatever. I mean, like you they ask people around that person, and you get these kinds of stories all the time. So yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I like I think everybody who watched it kind of went did like a little bit of like a uh, like. Yeah. You just kind of had that feeling like, oh, I don't know if he said quite enough or maybe he said too much in the wrong direction. Like I said, if he had just, you know, pled the fifth, people wouldn't have liked that, but there would have been no criticism of it, I guess, at that yeah, point. Yeah, so, I don't have any issue with what he said about Schembechler because I do believe that was his experience with him and he said what his experience was. It's just that he but missed to the leave other out, yeah. Right, to leave out such a big part of that story, like I said, I think was a missed opportunity. And there's a lot of, you know, former Wolverines who – you know, were just as dedicated and just as much a part of the program as Schembechler and Harbaugh was that I think, 
you know, it's not just because they were Wolverines that they deserve to be recognized. Everybody does. But, again, it just seemed like a missed opportunity, and we'll leave it at that. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's been – it's going to continue to be a thing. I mean, I think until – there's some form of resolution, though, whether it is the you know the statue maybe coming down or renaming the hall, or if Harbaugh has a more pronounced statement, like it's going to continue coming up. I mean, so we'll see. You know, we'll see when the next time is and what the next thing is that he says. But it's it's not going to go away just because right. it's taking a little bit of time. So anyway, uh, back over to the football side of things a little bit. I kept mentioning Will Johnson, uh, Michigan's gem of the 2022 class. An absolute star at cornerback for Gross Point South. We saw him in person, tall, uh, rangy, great build, can add a lot of muscle to his frame. Uh, Really smooth. Uh, He didn't, in the individual portion, he didn't go through one-on-ones. Instead, used that time to hang out with Jim Harbaugh and hang out with Steve Klinkscale and hang out with um, Josh Gaddis, even though, like, he he was just around, like, the whole staff at that point when they were doing the one-on-one drills towards the end of the camp and he just had a ton of time to talk with them and talk with other commits and talk with other targets. And he was just really active in everything that was going on. Um, his dad is one of the people who kind of helps put this camp on Dion Johnson, Curtis Blackwell, co-founders of sound mind, sound body. So anyway, he kind of knows the ins and outs and, you know, obviously he's going to be there, but he didn't go through workout, uh, go through one-on-ones. It got interesting at the end when Dante Williams showed up, that is USC's cornerback coach, who flew all the way to Michigan just to hang out with Will Johnson at this camp. And and they did. They hung out quite a bit. And you could tell that they were close. And you could tell that they had a really good rapport. They were talking and laughing and kind of spending time together all while Michigan's coaches are standing within three feet away, kind of looking over at them like, the hell are you doing, dude? Like, you know, get out of here type of thing. Um, He's got this official visit to USC coming up, and I know Michigan fans across the across the scope are saying, ah, it doesn't mean anything. It does, man. It does mean something. Now, I will say, after talking to Will and just thinking about the, you know, the situation as it is anyways, I'd still put money on him signing with Michigan. That's the most likely scenario. I think it does make the most sense, but I still think that there's a lot of validity to why he's taking the the visit and his connection to coach Williams, his connection to Damani Jackson, who's committed out there. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was, that part was, was really interesting to see when you've got two opposing, you know, two enemy coaching staffs, essentially at this point, recruiting one high flight, high, high profile recruit, like within a couple feet of each other. It was just kind of, it was kind of fun to watch actually. Yeah, yeah, and and I was watching it from the press box, so yeah. I was I remember I was almost like radioing radio down to you on the field. I'm like, okay, Johnson's here, and you know, coaches are over here, and I could kind yeah. of see what was going on. And you know, it's it's unfortunate. I get why we didn't see uh, Johnson in the one on ones. I think he had a track meet or something that he was preparing yeah, that's right. for. That's right. The next day, uh, so he didn't participate in the one on ones. But just from what we could see, looks like an impressive dude. Like you said, he's tall, he's lanky, he's got he's got room to add some muscle and. You know, we talked about this before. You would obviously prefer he not take a visit out to USC, but I don't know how much of that is going to sway him. I think right now he's all in on Michigan. I think it's not going to be a visit to 
you know, USC that really tips the scales. I think it's going to be how does Michigan look in 2021 and what yep. do they do on the field? And a guy like Will Johnson wants to play football at the highest level and on the biggest stage in Michigan. And, and that's why it's so unfortunate. You know, that last game in November is such a pain in the ass because Michigan hasn't proven that they have the ability to get to the next level where a guy like a Will Johnson or some of these top rated recruits want to come here and say, okay, we can get to the biggest stage. Um, so, you know, I think a lot, you know, and I think he even acknowledged it to you, right? He said it's obviously important uh, that Michigan has a good season, and I think that's kind of where we're all at. They have to have a good season, and if they want guys like Will Johnson to commit and stay committed and mm-hmm. ultimately arrive on campus, they got to take care of business on the field. That is the biggest and best recruiting tool they have. Succeed on the field. Everything else that Michigan has going for them will take care of itself. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean – National Signing Day is somewhere in mid-December. I was trying to look up the exact date. I know it's fallen on like December 19th, 20th, so somewhere around there. So that means Michigan will have 12 games in the books before these guys can put pen to paper. If they play 12 games and they're at 4-8, and 5-7, 6-6, it's going to be hard to hang on to a guy like Will Johnson who wants to, like you said, play at the highest level and win. Now I will say this. He said some really encouraging things to me after he said, yes, it's obvious that they have to have a good year. He said something along the lines of, and I put this up yesterday, so you can go to WolverineDigest.com and check that out, his exact quotes. He said something along the lines of, I have been around the program. I know the ins and outs. I know what's wrong and what needs to be corrected. I really like the talent in the 2021 class, and I know the guys we're trying to get in 2022. We can help make it better. After hearing him say all of that stuff, that's why I went out and said, like, look, I still don't think that the USC official visit is meaningless, but I think it's going to be really hard for Michigan to lose him. I just I just do. His dad played there. He's a home state kid. You know, the best players in Michigan go to Michigan. He's at the forefront of that recruiting push. He's coming back every weekend, essentially, to hang out with guys that Michigan's trying to land. He's in people's ears trying to make sure that they realize what Michigan can offer that that speaks volumes to me. I still, I'm still not saying that USC has zero chance and that the visit means nothing. But I think, like, he, he's the kind. I've said this before. He's a layup. He is a recruiting layup for Michigan. He's the kind of guy that they have to be able to, like you said, get to commit, stay committed, and sign when December yeah. rolls around. And winning will certainly make that a lot easier. Like if they win. Maybe even eight, nine, eight games, nine, ten games. There, he, it'll be. It'll be yeah. case closed. It'll be no, no thought, no, no pause, no second, you know, second guessing, nothing at all. He'll be ready to sign, and it'll be over with. But if they have a really bad season, he's going to have some things to think about, and he might still, he might still stay with Michigan because it just makes sure it makes the most sense all the way around. So, but I that's think it's, that's why you take your visit to USC, right? So if you things know. go that way, you you know what you have in a USC. Yep, so. that's exactly it. So that's why it doesn't mean anything. I still think. At the end of the day, he stays with Michigan, but they they gotta do they gotta do it on the field. They gotta do it on the field so that guys like Will Johnson stay committed and like some of these other top targets they have, realize that there's you know there's some positive trajectory and that things are moving in the right direction. That's that's gonna be key because they like you said everything else they have, the you know the stadium, the tradition, the resources, the you know the the nutrition, the the help, the academic assistance, the 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 brand as as uh, as name, image, and likeness becomes more of a thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, and 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 now the the staff in place, they're all like, from what I understand, just about all of them are like plus recruiters. So 
they got everything working in their favor to bring these guys in and get them signed. But again, you got to do it on the field. You know, top flight yeah. players don't want to come play for 500, 500 teams. They just, they right. just don't. So I thought it was really interesting. Will's a great kid. I've had a chance to talk to him quite a few times now at this point. Um, you know, the recruiting stuff never stops for, for guys that are that good. And he's just, a, he's just a really nice kid to talk to. And like I said, after getting done with him, we listened to the interview and we both kind of said like, it sounds pretty good. You know, yeah. that sounds pretty good for Michigan, actually. I know that visit's coming up, but he's saying a lot of the right things right now, and that's yeah. that's really all you can ask for as we sit here at the beginning of June, you know, more than six months away from signing day. Um, Michigan in the mix, man, for another hefty, hefty defensive tackle. They've got one in Jordan Whitley, who is a transfer from Oregon State. Trying to go back to the Pac-12 again and get another transfer defensive tackle from USC. Jay Toya uh, was was high on Michigan through his recruiting process and now I believe is in Ann Arbor as we speak, or maybe was. I mean, he was he's taking his visit right now, and it sounds like Michigan is leading the leading the charge there. Um, I don't know. I mean, this I didn't know if they I didn't know that they would go after two guys like this for defensive tackle, but I guess that sounds like. Obviously, something they really thought they needed to do. So, I mean, yeah. On the surface, I'm, does this make you think like, dang, they really don't like the defensive interior linemen they have, yeah. or, is, or is it just like they, they just need more bodies and they need some bigger guys because of the shift? Well, I go, I kind of go back and forth between those two things, right? Like, I, I'm like, I like that they're going after more guys and they're adding some depth to the defensive line, but then I'm also like, there's another part of me that's like, well, shit, like. They're tr- they're really trying to stack up on on defensive linemen. Like, what does that say about the group that's there? Yeah. I, you know, I, but I think part of the reason my mind goes there is just because I'm, you know, I I, I kind of know how things go and the defense has been struggling, and so your mind automatically goes there. Bottom line, they're loading up on guys that are. 300 plus, you know, you know what Whitley is. I mean, he's damn near pushing 400 pounds <laughs> at one at one point. At one point. Yeah. He might be in better shape at this point. I would expect him to be in better shape uh, by the time the season comes around. But Hey man, as far as I'm concerned, you can never have too many defensive linemen. And mm-hmm. if they can just be shifting some of these guys in and out and make no mistake, they've still got some talent up front. You know, I know we haven't seen Mozzie Smith really come out yet. I know uh, Chris Hinton has really got a huge upside. So they've got some guys there on the defensive line that I think are going to be pretty stellar this upcoming season. I have no issue with them adding some depth because I really think they're going to need it. And, you know, heaven forbid you have a massive injury on that defensive line. You're going to need some of those bigger bodies to come in and play sub- substantial minutes, so I'm all for it. You do need it. Defensive line is absolutely the the, he- the most heavily rotated position in football. So yeah. maybe running back, running back also in there. But defensive line, I mean, you literally have different packages where it might be four different guys that aren't on the field to start the game. I mean, you've got to have you've got to have bodies in there. It's a physical, tough position to play. They are going. I mean, absolutely all out on every snap. It's not like receiver where you can kind of jog off the line or something on a handoff play, or when yeah. the, you know the ball is not coming to you, you can you can take a quick breather. Like there, there really isn't any of that on the D line. So yeah, you got to have bodies there. And I agree with you, man. I've you know I've been high on obviously he's a five star kid, but been high on Chris Hinton since the day he picked Michigan and he played yeah. a lot of football last year. Mozzie Smith not quite there yet. I mean I was I saw him in high school. 
thought he was super talented. At times he could dominate a game, but even in high school at sometimes he would kind of disappear a little bit or take a yeah. series off. And you just typically don't see that with guys that are that physically talented. And, 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 you know, look how it's played out at Michigan so far. He's barely been on the field. So the talent's there. Maybe the conditioning hasn't been. I know he's a, he's like a – uh, struggles with asthma too. I know that was an issue for him in high school. Don't know how that's how that's been doing for him at Michigan. But anyway, talented kid, big body kid. Both of those guys are over 300 pounds, but neither of them are are 350, 360 like right. like Whitley is. But I, I believe Toya was listed at around 315. Yeah, just a little above yeah. 300. So he's 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 a, a slight uh, a slight upgrade at the true nose tackle position. I would say over Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, but. You know, still you, a big dude. Still a, a big, big, yeah, big dude. Yeah. Absolutely a big dude and, and still has a lot of uh, a lot of eligibility left too. So if Michigan It's weird. I there. I didn't realize that he was uh, like I didn't know much about him until his name came up and it looked like Michigan might be in pursuit. Didn't realize he only spent a semester out at USC. I didn't realize he was a USC commit. So, you know, he goes in for the spring, he participates in spring ball and he's out already. And and in the article I put up, he said a lot of that was due to the COVID-19 pandemic and that he felt like he didn't have the opportunity to take the visits he wanted to take and kind of get around the country and, you know, see some other opportunities. And so apparently Michigan was one of those big ones. And from what it sounds like, everything's going pretty well. And I don't know, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is another recruit, essentially. I mean, yeah. like he, he's he's an early enrolled freshman like J.J. McCarthy is or like right. Donovan Edwards is. So, yeah, so it's like, not like this is a dude that was four years at another program and couldn't get off the ground. Like this was a fairly highly rated recruit that spent the spring at USC and decided, you know what, I want to, want to see some other things. Yeah. It's, that's not, that's not typically how it plays out, but it's a unique situation that would give him a lot of time left all the time, all of his time left to play at Michigan, especially with the changing of the rule where, I mean, the the COVID year kind of added to that, but now it's an official rule where guys can transfer and play right away and they don't miss yeah. out on a year of eligibility. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing. It doesn't happen that way usually. And I didn't even realize that. I was looking I was looking for photos of him, and I'm like, why? Like, there's no pictures of this guy in his USC <laughs> uniform. Like, <laughs> right. oh, it's because he's never he's never had it on right. uh, in any public scope anyway. I don't know if he, you know, what they did while he was there. But anyway, yeah, it's an interesting development and would certainly add another big body to a room that could use it. So I'm all for it. I don't know – I. I don't know a whole lot about him. I remember when he was a recruit, but vaguely. And, you know, now that he's potentially going to end up at Michigan, we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into what exactly he brings to the table skill-wise. But you see 6'2", 3'15", and freshman, you're, yeah, why not, man? Yeah. Why not see what he can bring to the table at Michigan? Switch it over to basketball a little bit, man. Uh, Juwan Howard, another coaching job, another day, another mention of him to – to be a coach in the NBA, we, we talked about this a lot the other day with the Boston job that I think is one of the better jobs that will come open in maybe several seasons, uh, just given yeah. the fact that they've been one of the better teams in the East, a lot of young talent, a superstar in Jason Tatum. It's the Celtics. Um, really smart dude in Brad Stevens and some continuity there since he's been there. But now the Trailblazers job has opened up, and they're another really good team with some good players. I mean, you got game time. Yeah, Damian Lillard, one of my favorite players in the league. CJ CJ McCollum, um, some some nice young talent there as well. I, it's just going to keep happening. I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, out of those two jobs, I think the Boston job is better. So I don't think this is like, oh, look out for Portland now. There's even another another angle, but it, it's just it's not going to go away. It's just yeah. it's not going to go away. 
Yeah, like I said before, get used to it. Um, I saw, you know, I saw that his name started to pop up with the Blazers job, and I mean that one didn't even really like. I saw it, and then I just, I, I don't know. I was probably like looking at my phone and like eating cheese puffs, and I saw it, and then like keep scrolling because it just it didn't even register like yeah. i don't think like boston that's a different animal right we talked about the history with boston and kind of you know what that franchise is within the nba portland's not that i know they've got some great players but i think it's going to really really take not just a special opportunity in the nba to get howard out of ann arbor but i think he's got some things here first that he wants to accomplish and he's got some you know he's got one son on the roster another one likely on the way and i just think there's there's too much work left undone here to like say you know what i i kind of because his stock has really elevated since he came to michigan he's become a hot commodity and to just sort of up and leave after you know an elite eight appearance like that being the height of it it just to me it doesn't seem like that's how this story is going to go yeah and let's be clear about this so the 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 buzz around boston the buzz now around portland is not is from like a media person yeah but i it's just like it's just like you or I. Like they're not just gonna spout off and say something for the hell of it. Like these guys right. are are they're good at their jobs. They know what they're doing. And if they're gonna say that Juwan Howard's name is somebody that should be looked at, then there's probably a reason for that. They're not just they're not just arbitrarily throwing out a successful college right. coach's name. Like they've they you know they've got their sources. They've got their people. They talk to in the offices of all the NBA uh, all the NBA teams. So. It's, it's not like we've heard officially Portland has extended an offer or is bringing Juwan Howard in for an interview. But if a guy like Jeff Goodman or a guy like Woj is going to throw something out there, it, there's a reason for it. They've probably heard something or they know that so-and-so at Portland has Juwan's name in a Rolodex and that if this, you know, if this opportunity came up that he was going to be contacted. So, you know, there's nothing to be worried about, but it, it, there's a reason why these guys' names are brought up. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that there is a belief out there that Howard's desire is ultimately to return to the NBA. And so I, as long as, you know, as long as as long as an opening comes up, Howard's name will be mentioned. That's just the way it's going to be. I wonder Well, I really do wonder about that. There's no there's no question before he got to Michigan. That was a, a million percent his goal. Be an yeah. NBA head coach. He was he was, you know, grinding and learning the ways with Miami. I think his name was, you know, brought up. I don't remember if he interviewed or not. I'd have to double check on that. But I know the Timberwolves job, he was linked most closely to that job, whatever it was, a season or two before he came to Michigan. Or maybe even that season. I can't remember. So it, it's it's obvious and it's clear that at that time, he aspired to be a head coach in the NBA. Like, And, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Like, if you're an assistant coach in the NBA, you want to be a head coach at some point. Now that he's the right. head coach at Michigan, and Michigan means so much to him, and like you said, Jace is there and Jet's probably coming, I, I wonder how much, like, that has shifted. Like, you know, before NBA head coach was, was way up there, top tier. Like, that's my yeah. goal, that's my job, that's what I want to do. And now that Michigan is, is where he's at, I wonder how much that's come down or if it's still way up at the top, but not right now. It, you know, those are those are questions I would love to ask him in a in an off-the-record setting. Yeah. I, he's never going to talk about that, you know, at a press conference, I don't think. Um, but, you know, we talked about all the reasons the other day that, that would make an NBA job so attractive, even if you are at your quote-unquote dream college job. Yeah. It's still the highest level. It's still a lot more money. It's still, 
more professional. There's no recruiting. You're not. I mean, there there are reasons why an NBA job would ultimately be much better than a college job. Yeah, and it, maybe I'm naive in this, but we talked about it a little bit before, and I I just think Jawan Howard has so much to offer that. The, in the, at the college level that he can't really offer, not to say he can't offer it, but it won't make as big of an impact at the NBA level. You know, he just seems like a bit of a different breed where he was like built to like be a mentor for like, like even when he was with the Fab Five, we talked about this, I think in the last podcast, yeah. he was like the guy that was like sort of like acting as a father figure to the rest of that they used, group. They would know? like tease him about it. Correct. Yeah. Like and the I, old guy, the old head in the group. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it just seems like he's made for being around college athletes who still have a lot to figure out about life and serving as like, you know, that, that figure is like, I'm a great resource for all these things. And he seems to like, not just be really good in that role, but to really enjoy that role. Mm -hmm. Like if you sit in on a press conference and you listen to the way, and I know a lot of coaches talk about how much they love their players and, you know, the relationship they have. But when he says it, when he talks about it, it just, it comes off a little bit differently. You can tell it's genuine. And I think there are a lot of aspects that he enjoys about the college game that he wouldn't necessarily get at the NBA level. So even if the money is different, it might be one of those things where, not to get too cliche, but it's a higher calling in terms of what he wants to do with his life staying at the collegiate level. Yeah, a lot of coaches can say it, and it can be lip service, but it's it's his reputation preceded him in yeah. that in that area like you said even going back to when he was just a kid as a member of the Fab 5 to you know his reputation as an NBA player and his level his attention to detail and how he just he he really does take everything that he does very seriously and it's and that's a big part of it is is being a a father figure a mentor a a life coach or whatever whatever you want to call it whatever title you want to throw on it he's really good at it and he does seem to get a lot of uh, a reward from that 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 money just doesn't give you. I mean, and like you know, yeah. there there probably is some validity to like he doesn't need the money. This dude's made a ton of cash over the course of his career, but like, dude, anybody who's got a job and then you get an offer to triple or quadruple it, it's gonna it's gonna grab you. It's gonna grab you, and you have to take it seriously and look at it. So we'll see how that plays out. Every time an NBA job opens up, he's gonna be brought up because it's get like, used to it. It's two for two so far, right? Boston has a job. Oh, there's Jordan yeah. Howard's name now. Portland, and there he is again. So we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, like one of the things keeping him in Michigan too is he's done a freaking awesome job on the recruiting trail, and guys are coming in that are gonna make his team, you know, potentially more talented than they were last year, even and and, and he's not slowing down in that regard. Caleb Houston, Gatorade Player of the Year, down at Montverde Academy, uh, one of the most loaded programs in the entire country. And I think he's going to start next year. I think it just works out perfectly for his skill set. He's, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, six, kind of a versatile wing guy, like Franz Wagner. Not not exactly the same as Franz, more of a I – would, I would classify him as more of a shooter, probably not quite as – effective on the defensive end in terms of like altering and blocking shots. Franz just seemed to have a knack for that. The big broad shoulders, super long. I don't, I don't quite get that sense from, from Houston, but again, he's, he's finishing high school still. Like Franz wasn't that when he first came out and he really wasn't even that as a freshman. He really kind of stepped into that as a sophomore, but I mean, dude, 
the way Juwan's been killing it on the recruiting trail, there's a lot of reasons why he can look down at his roster and be like, I think I'm going to stick around for a little bit. I yeah. mean, that's isn't hard, that, to, isn't hard that, to walk away from that. <laughs> it's funny in all the things I rattled off there about why he would want to stay at, at <laughs> the collegiate level. I didn't even I didn't even talk about like the fact that he's got a loaded recruiting class coming in and they're probably going to be another favorite to make a deep run in the tournament, win a conference championship. And so – yeah, I mean, this is another one of those kids that looks like, you know, he he's highly talented, obviously. He can put on some weight, some muscle in, in college, but Jawan's got some top guys coming in, and, and I just don't think he's going to be in any hurry to go anywhere. I think he – you know, it's like getting in – you got all these cool toys that are coming in, you know, yeah. and you want to be able to use it and play with it and like to just walk away from it. I don't know. None of it makes sense. I'm so. telling you, dude, I've been really torn on my seasons on NCAA before, you know, you get a good recruiting class, you get a new job <laughs> offer. And I'm like, dude, I just spent all season recruiting that running back with four, two, four speed. Like right. I want, I want him. Hilarious, yeah. by the way, how many guys run a four two four on that game because uh, it's just not like a real thing. But it's no, not all that common. Yeah, uh, Caleb Houston six. I just looked it up six eight two zero five according to the twenty four seven Sports Composite. He's the number seven player in the country, man. Like, yeah, he's a stud. And then you've got Musa Diabate, and you've got the two guards, Kobe Bufkin, and. Um, Frankie, Frankie Collins, Collins yeah. and then Isaiah Barnes and Will. Sh- I mean, you just you've got a lot of. Might have said Isaiah Barnes' name twice. I don't even know right there. You've got you've got a six man class that was the number one group in the country. That that's that's pretty appealing to a coach who spent all yeah. a ton of time trying to convince those guys to come to Michigan and then got their signature and now they're just about to be on campus and starting to work out over the summer and like now your name's popping up for these NBA jobs. So yeah, yeah I think Jalon actually commented on on Caleb Houston winning Gatorade Player of the Year. Did so, said something to the effect that he couldn't wait to have him. Exactly, was excited to get started. So, so to me, it's, I think I feel like this guy is just like, you know, I think Harbaugh used to say it like a pig and slop or something like that when he first got to Ann Arbor, like enjoying it that much. I think that's that is the that's the mode that Jawan Howard is in right now. He's just really having fun with it, enjoying it, and I think he's really excited to get this new class in. I mean, I yeah, I would be. I'm excited to see him. I mean, as soon as we started to learn about the, the futures of guys and what was happening, we're still, I guess, waiting a little bit on what's going on with Hunter Dickinson. I, I expect him back, but we we don't know. Like we talked about before, if one team promises to take him in the first round, that's all it takes. So we'll see on that. But it's fun to think about what the starting lineup might look like. And when you've got these these high to, these highly touted freshmen, like who's going to play, who's going to play a lot, who might even start. I think Houston is the one guy – who just because of his position, his skill set, and what Michigan has coming back, that he looks like a starter. I mean, to me, yeah. we'll see though. We'll see. There's some there's some pretty capable and talented guys already on the roster before you even add this recruiting class in. So right. it's gonna be fun to watch, man. And Jawan's he's got it humming, man. He's got it humming. Like I said last time, I'm very very hopeful that he sticks around because he's fun to cover and the the team is good and recruiting is good and everything that we do as a media person there's a lot of storylines and a lot of potential to cover there so that's it makes it fun makes it more enjoyable all right as we get ready to wrap up man we only had a few questions but we'll throw them up there we'll talk about it a little bit even even the comments that don't really require us to talk on we'll throw them up just for some recognition so go blue from tampa from eric there on facebook uh go blue from port orchard washington beat the huskies man so we got a that's going to be we, – we, we come back to that game all the time, man. Week yeah. two, it's going to be a game. big one. Marco with a go blue. That <laughs> sounds like we had some Kool-Aid. Chris admits to maybe a shot of it. Uh, At least. No, I, I just I, – it was fun to see the coaches in person, and 
it, it reinforced and confirmed some of the good things I had heard about them. I, yeah. I guess that's where I'll leave it. I didn't come away thinking like, oh, my God, they're amazing. Best staff in the country. <laughs> I'm not ready to say that. But, but it's it, – it's, I think you could – make a strong case that it's one of the best staffs in the country. And I mean, but you're going to get that with Michigan with a program like Michigan anyway. It's just the guys that they assemble are pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty good ones in there. Um, can we get to eight or nine wins this year? What do we think? Well, Chris thinks so, right? I got him at nine. I got him at seven. So, I mean, it's not like I'm very far off of that pace. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, think- they can certainly get to it. You know, it's just a matter yeah. of things have to go the right way, and they've got to show up in instances where they normally don't show up, and week two is a big one of those. Eight wins would piss me off so so much. I mean, you would, would be just, so torn. You would be torn. I mean, at eight wins, you can't you can't pound the table that a change needs to happen. Yeah, but it's but it's not good enough to really be like happy about, especially if you throw in a, a you know, maybe a bad loss to Ohio state. And uh, you know, if you, if Michigan goes eight and four, then the four losses are very likely to four teams that are like, that have a pulse. And then they got eight wins yeah. against, you know, quote unquote scrub teams. That, yeah. I, I mean, what does that do for you? So can they get to eight or nine? I mean, I think, yeah, probably they're talented enough to beat eight teams on their schedule, but th- what, is that like? Is that good? Is that is that where you think they should be? I don't know. I I think if eight and four ultimately ends up being the record, I'm just going to be like, what do we do? What are we doing here? What are they yeah. doing there? Like, what what's going to happen now? Well, all and, these and, changes, all this stuff, and that's that's where you're at, I guess. And you know, eight and four becomes eight and five, right? When you throw the bowl game in, because you know, that's just the there. way it goes. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, this is a good question. I like this one. I'm, I'm assuming they're talking football. This is going back a little ways when I think we were still talking about football stuff. Yeah. Who is the player that has the biggest surprise success this season? Chris, you got a off the top of the dome answer? I don't to know question? if it's going to be a surprise. Like, for me, it won't be a surprise, but I would say Blake Corum. He, okay, he yeah. had, you know, based on what he did his freshman year, there wasn't a ton of production that's there. He is, like, if I have a list of guys that I think are going to step up and show out in 2021, he's at the very top of the list. And then there's, like, two blank spots below him. And then you can start to pencil some guys in. I just think the way he works, the way he's built, and if Mike Hart can find a way to utilize these guys, I feel like he's just he's primed for a monster season. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't know if that would be a surprise. Really, he's going to be, you know, running back one or one A, or you know, I mean, I don't know how exactly the rotation is going to be between yeah. him and Hassan Haskins, but he's going to play a lot. He's talented. Yeah. I mean, if they can figure out how to use him, yeah, I think he should have a good year. I'll go Eric All. I mean, I, I love okay. his I love his upside. I love his talent. I think you know he was he had a few drops last year, but you know the way the coaches talk about him, they think he could be like all world. So, you know he, he was he was clearly behind Nick Eubanks last year. He's going to be the top tight end on the roster this year, with not a whole lot of depth backing him up. So I expect him to play a lot, and you know depending on who either with either quarterback, they're they're both they're both uh, kind of billed as really accurate, not necessarily push the ball down the field in a big way kind of guys. So that, that screams tight end to me all day. So we'll yeah. see how that ends up looking. I think Eric Hall is, is really good. He just hasn't had a chance to, you know, really showcase it yet, but he probably, he probably will this year. Same question from Dave Carr here. How many games will Michigan win this year? I say seven, you say nine. And, you know, we'll see if that ends up changing as we move a little bit forward. And one last go blue from Richmond, Virginia. Richmond. And Jason Scott. So there are our questions for tonight. Appreciate all of you guys 
who decided to tune in and throw us some questions and have some discussion with us a little bit. Um, yeah, quite a bit of stuff we, we covered this time. I know sometimes yeah, we have like, I don't know, three or four topics and we just get a little long-winded. I think we had like six or six things to talk about this time. So that's always good. And there will continue to be more as, as visits take place and as Michigan is conducting some camps and we continue to try to get out and go to some stuff, which we will be doing again on, is it Monday? We got a camp Monday, coming yeah. up at, what, yeah. at uh, Wayne State. So we'll see some more players from the Detroit area and a couple more coaches out there. So we will bring that to you. Uh, hopefully on Monday. I think that's another late camp, though, so we'll have to see how that goes. I think it three starts at 3 or Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. We'll try to maybe get something up on Monday. If not, we'll push it back to Tuesday again, and we'll talk about that camp and anything else that happens between now and then. So be back here Monday or Tuesday.